0: As an interim, you don't want to do harm to the congregation. You want to handle them with care. You want to shepherd them uh, with a kind of care and compassion that will edify them and not that will harm them. So I think you're absolutely right. It is helpful when one is deliberate and intentional so that the people of God might not be harmed. Welcome to the Center for Congregations podcast. This is a conversation for anyone invested in sustaining and strengthening their faith communities. The Center for Congregations
1: is an Indiana nonprofit that exists because we believe the work of your congregation is essential. Our mission is to strengthen your congregation, helping you find
0: the right information or expertise for your congregation's needs. We are able to do this work because of the generosity of the Lillian Endowments.
1: Welcome back to the Center for Congregations podcast. My name is Matt Burke. I'm the Education Director and the Northeast Director for the Center for Congregations. And with me, as usual, is Ben Tapper. Hey, Ben. Hey, Matt. Good to be here. Hey, Ben. And Ben is the Associate for Resource Consulting out of our Indianapolis office. So today we talked with Pastor Janae Pitts-Murdoch, who's the Senior Pastor of Light of the World in Indianapolis, a really good conversation. But the topic of today's conversation is about interim ministry. Now, before you press stop... (laughs) It, it even comes up in the interview that maybe interim ministry is not the most sexy topic in the world, but it's a really, really good interview, and I think there's some important considerations and things to hear about this topic as we talk through the episode. So even if it's not something that your congregation is thinking about right now, something that you know, you're know you in a very stable situation, that's all well and good, but it's uh, helpful just to lay out some of the considerations. So if a situation did come up, that you'll be prepared for that. So, Ben, how have you been encountering this topic in your work in Indianapolis?
2: You know, honestly, it hasn't come up in the cases that I've been working. I've had a few different congregations that are going through transitions, but I don't know that any of them have opted to select an interim minister. My primary experience, and I referenced this in the interview, is in a congregation that I was attending here in Indy a few years back. The senior pastor left after 20 or so years, and they decided to have an interim minister come in. I don't remember the exact length of time, but it was somewhere around that 15 to 18 month mark. I think maybe it was 18 months. And so that was my first exposure to seeing or to understanding what interim ministry is, to seeing how it works, and to understanding and experiencing what it's like or what it can be like anyway for a congregation to go through that process, you know, where they're, they're wrestling with big questions about culture and congregational life on the one hand while also trying to reconcile the history and past of the congregation, and in this case, the hurts that have come up as a result of that past, and also looking forward and trying to plan for the future. I mean, it's a lot for a congregation to hold. And so being able to kind of see and witness that firsthand was really eye-opening for me. And I wonder if I haven't come across it in my work here at the center much, because I wonder if it's more of a denominational thing, like if certain denominations are more prone to use interim ministers than other denominations. And you've been around longer than I have, so I imagine you might be able to speak to that a little better.
1: Yeah, it hasn't come across my radar a whole lot. In the time that I've been with the center, I've talked with maybe two or three people who were interim ministers in a specific congregation that were interfacing with us around resources. And, you know, maybe part of that is just typically, you know, we get about maybe 50% clergy, 50% lady that reach out to the center and maybe we're just not on folks' radar when it comes to interim ministry because they're thinking about, like you said, denominational resources or things like that. And frankly, one of the things that I've encountered when the topic of interim ministry comes up for me, I've got kind of a negative connotation associated with it just because I've heard the difficulties that get encountered in it. It sounds like it's a really, really difficult thing. And you know, the times that I've heard about it, it's maybe a situation where the transition was unexpected. And so it needed to happen quickly and or a situation where someone is interim, but it's kind of drags out much, much longer than what they had anticipated in the beginning. And I think the interview, as we get into it, speaks to a lot of those things of how to be prepared for something that really takes a lot of consideration, something that takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. And so I think as we get into the interview, again, even if you're not a congregation that has a really, really stable situation right now, it's important to pay attention to this because you never know. You never know when something might happen that someone has to move away unexpectedly, maybe to take care of an older parent or things like that, that you could be in a situation where interim ministry might make sense.
2: And even if it's not your congregation, I mean, you may come across other ministers or other congregations that you're in relationship with that could benefit from the work of an interim minister. And as Pastor Janae mentions during the interview... Interim ministers can do anything from just like having a preaching role, you know, uh, once a week or so, to helping do more like strategic visioning, short-term planning, kind of evaluation of congregational culture, addressing past hurts. There's no one specific way that interim ministry has to look. And I think it's the flexibility that might be most useful in terms of the model, because you can decide what your congregation needs up front and then craft an interim contract around those specific needs. And, and that's really helpful.
1: Yeah, or even if, you know, I think it's possible that some clergy leaders might be inspired by this interview to realize that maybe they have some skill sets that would lend themselves to this kind of thing, and maybe even think about a different career path. In fact, I've heard of people who kind of have made that their career, and understanding the ins and outs of interim ministry, and find congregations that have that need and and are able to fill that need really well, and to really maintain the health of the congregation through what could be a challenging period.
2: So, you know, Matt, there's a lot of great stuff in this interview. And so there's no reason for them to listen to us talk more about it when they can hear from Pastor Janae herself.
1: So here's the interview. Yeah, let's not go on and on out of a deep well of ignorance. (laughs)
2: This week with the senior pastor of Light of the World Christian Church here in Indianapolis, Pastor Janae Pitts Murdoch. It is so good to have you here, Pastor. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
2: We are going to dive in and discuss a topic that I don't often hear talked about, which is interim ministry. You served as an interim pastor at Light of the World. How long were you in that role?
0: I was contracted as the interim at Light of the World for fifteen months, not to exceed twenty-two months.
2: <laughs> Very specific time range. <laughs> yeah, okay,
0: there are reasons for that, which we can talk about later. But my contract was for a fifteen-month time period, not to exceed twenty-two.
2: Got you, got you. And so, can you just like frame for our listeners? I imagine. Many traditions are familiar with the concept of interim ministry and bringing in an interim minister, but for those that aren't, can you discuss what it is and what the general purpose of bringing in an interim pastor to a congregation is?
0: Absolutely. So I'll begin by saying interim ministry is very common when churches are transitioning to new pastoral leadership. Some churches engage interim ministry in an official capacity and others engage it in an unofficial capacity. And I'll begin with the unofficial first. So unofficially, when a pastor leaves a church, the congregation has to find a way to fill the gap until the next pastor comes on board. So they might fill the gap with ministers from their church who will cover the pulpit week to week. They'll fill the gap with other administrative resources inside the congregation until a new pastor is identified. And all of that is interim ministry. People may not categorize it in such official terms, but it is interim ministry. Whatever that period of time is between the permanent or settled pastor is interim ministry. Then there are other congregations who enter the interim season very intentionally and they bring on board an interim leader whose responsibility it is to hold things in motion and hold things steady until the permanent pastor or that permanent leader is identified. And in more official, intentional interim circumstances, there are very clear expectations defined for the interim leader. And there is also a clear time period involved such that the interim leader knows that their role will come to an end and they then transition the church for the new settled pastor.
2: That is a really, really helpful context. Thank you for laying that out. And I imagine that It can be kind of a precarious position to be in. In Mennonite congregations um, that I've attended and been part of, the interim minister was also tasked with doing what seemed like an evaluation of the culture of the congregation up until that point and helping them figure out how they want to reshape congregational culture moving forward. And that's definitely not easy to do. A lot of hard things end up coming out in that process. So I'm wondering if you can speak to the nuance that an interim minister has to be able to hold and what it's like doing that work in that position, knowing that you're only there for a certain amount of time?
0: Great question. Each interim ministry is different. The congregation or the congregational leaders who invite the interim leader have to be very clear about what their expectations are For that leader in that season, because interim ministry can be so complex, depending upon the length of time that the interim leader is expected to be there or anticipated to be there, depending upon the environment that the leader is coming into, whether it is a healthy environment, an unhealthy environment. If the previous leader left on good terms, on not so good terms, if there is tension or discord in the environment, all of those things play into how the interim leader executes their role. And so it is so important for congregations to know or at least have a sense of what they need from their interim leader. Because there are some interim leaders who come in who do assessment of the environment and help congregations to come into clarity about their mission, vision, and values, to assess vulnerabilities in their organization, to assess maybe their own contributions to the lack of success in their previous pastor's tenure. There are all kinds of things that the interim leader can do. Or the interim leader may only be needed as a preaching voice. And the board, the church's board takes all of the responsibility for assessment, evaluation. They might bring on other consultants to assist with that. So the interim leader's role is diverse. It is varied but it all depends on how that congregation structures and envisions the role of that leader. In my case at Light of the World, Light of the World had not in its recent history. I came on board after my predecessor stepped down from leadership. He had been there about seven years. His predecessor had been there for more than 40 years, and there was a seamless transition between the 43-year pastor and the seven-year pastor. And at the conclusion of the seven-year pastor's term, the congregation thought that it would be best for them to bring on an interim leader so that the church could come to terms with its current state and what it wanted its future state to be. They wanted to be more clear about the kind of permanent senior pastor they would have. They wanted to host focus groups and do their own kind of internal congregational conversations. So an interim leader was essential for them. Light of the world did not ask me to do all that I ended up doing. I came to the interim role with many gifts, skills, and abilities that other pastors may not necessarily have. And so Light of the World was able to benefit from my experience from governmental organizations. They benefited from my policy experience. They benefited from my business degree. So all of those skills that were in my toolbox, Light of the World was able to benefit from. But that is not often the case with interim ministry. So I think that depending upon what the congregation needs and what the congregation is looking for helps to shape and determine what the interim pastor will do.
1: Yeah, there's a lot there, and I feel a little overwhelmed myself just listening to the delineation of all of the different possibilities and setting expectations and those kinds of things. So what kinds of skill sets or kind of personality traits do you think help someone to play the role of a good interim pastor?
0: That is such a great question. Interim pastors have to be able to let go. I mean, the beauty and also the burden of interim ministry is that you have to be able to walk into a situation, walk into that environment, and know that an end date is coming. So I think one of the characteristics that every interim minister needs to have is a clear sense of their own identity. And differentiation from the environment that they're going into because you're not going to stay. You're not going there to be their long term pastoral leader. There, an end date is coming. So, you have to go in being clear about who you are and being able to differentiate yourself from the environment. I think that it's also essential that interim pastors have boundaries. You have to know what your own boundaries are and how you will engage and navigate relationship. Your own boundaries around how you will execute the job so that you don't have scope creep. In other words, bleeding into areas and territories that exceed what your responsibility is And having an understanding of what your boundaries are and being able to communicate them to the congregation, I think is super critical. At Light of the World, because they had not had an interim pastor before, many of the people in the congregation were just engaging me as their new pastor. And it was important for me to clarify as your interim. I am here for 15 months. Here's what we'll do inside of 15 months. And if you ask people at the church, they would say, Pastor today was always reminding us, she's only here for 15 months. She's only here for 15 months. And sometimes people would get offended because they interpreted my boundaries as a kind of distance from them, but it wasn't intended to be an indication of my disinterest in relationship but just helping people to understand, listen, y'all can't fall in love with me because there is another pastor who's coming after me and my job, like John the Baptist, when Jesus was coming on the scene, my job is just to prepare the way for the one who will come behind me. And so I think it's important for individuals who are serving in interim ministry to have a clear sense of their own identity And to be very clear about their boundaries, because they will most definitely have to exercise their boundaries in interim ministry.
2: So you were elected as the full-time pastor at Light of the World in November. So when that occurred, was there then a shift in how you related to those very same congregants? Or was it pretty much a continuation of what had already been happening?
0: Great question. It was not a clean continuation because it was necessary for us to end the interim relationship. Mm -hmm. The settled pastor, permanent pastor relationship to the congregation is just different. It's a different orientation and it was necessary for all of us, for me and the congregation to understand that the interim season is over the tasks and the expectations of the interim ministry had come to an end. And then we had to make room and time for the new season as permanent pastor and people to begin. So listen, I took a sabbatical. I left. We did a formal closure of the interim. I packed up my stuff. I left for two and a half months. Mm. And for those two and a half months, there were other people preaching, there were other people leading. There was just a moment for the church to kind of make a transition from interim season to permanent season. It was necessary for me to make a shift because as the interim, my entire mindset was interim. I did not make any long-term decisions that would impact or that would undermine the permanent season. I did not vision in long-term ways. All of my visioning, all of my outlooks and perspectives were with interim in mind. So it was necessary even for me to take a step back and to create closure for my own self, closure for the interim season, and then to prepare myself mentally, emotionally, and spiritually for the next season as permanent settled pastor, and it is so very different. I engage the people differently. I vision differently. I communicate decisions differently. So there are so many things about how I function now as settled pastor that are not the same as how I function as interim.
1: That's really, really helpful distinctions, and the word that came to mind for me is that it sounds like each step of this process was very, very deliberate, that there was a lot of thought put into the setting of expectations, what your role is, what your role was not, and I can imagine how that takes some effort, that takes some effort and some time to really think through all of those different pieces.
0: It does. Fortunately, for people who who are interested in interim ministry, there are organizations that train and certify persons for interim ministry. They help you develop the kinds of skills and the kinds of outlooks that one would need to be successful as an interim minister. So the good news is, if there are people who are interested in this as a career path, because there are persons who only do interim ministry, there are organizations that exist to help build and develop those kinds of persons. Because you do want to enter into this relationship deliberately so you don't do harm to a congregation. Because some congregations are coming out of very tender and difficult circumstances. And As an interim, you don't want to do harm to the congregation. You want to handle them with care. You want to shepherd them uh, with a kind of care and compassion that will edify them and not that will harm them. So I think you're absolutely right. It is helpful when one is deliberate and intentional so that the people of God might not be harmed.
1: That's good. That's good. So, I'm curious about what do you wish or hope for congregational leaders to know or understand when they're thinking about bringing on an interim minister? What do the congregational leadership, like the board or the session, what do they need to know?
0: Wow. You know, first of all, they need to know that they don't know everything. I think there is beauty in adventure and in an openness to the mystery of not knowing. And to the extent that congregational leaders can create together with an interim minister, I think that helps create a beneficial experience for everyone. Sometimes board leaders feel obligated to have all of the answers up front. And sometimes we don't have all the answers. Sometimes we have to admit we just don't know. We just don't know what we need. And we can arrive at clarity together through conversation with potential interim ministers and to engage resources in the community, learning from other congregations that have had interim ministers before and just be willing to adventure into beautiful places during the interim season. I think that also having an interim whose personality and temperament is consistent with the culture of your church matters as well. We are not looking for the permanent leader. We are looking for the interim leader. But that interim leader still needs to have a personality and temperament that are consistent with the culture of the church because the interim minister still has to lead and oftentimes has to lead through a complex or difficult transition. And so to the extent that that leader can connect with the congregation is so very important. So board leaders, congregational leaders really need to have a pulse of their congregation to know what kind of leaders work for us, what kind of personalities, what kind of temperaments work for our environment. And then hopefully we'll be able to find a good match or a good fit. Sometimes we end up with interims from inside our congregation. And depending upon the complexity of the interim season, that may or may not be a good choice. Interim ministers are not supposed to stay. So the fact that I have stayed at Light of the World breaks the rules of interim ministry. Um, Interim ministers really are supposed to come in and make tough decisions that might help that congregation be more successful uh, when they transition into their permanent leader. And so if your interim ministry, if your interim minister is vying for the permanent job, then that interim minister may not make the best decisions during the interim because they are advocating or politicking for the permanent job. One of the things that was important for me was While I was the interim minister, I was the interim minister. Even when people came to me and they asked me, Pastor Janae, will you stay? I say to them, my contract says I cannot stay. In my contract, there is a clause that says I will not be considered for the permanent role. And that is to ensure that as the interim minister, I make the best decisions for the interim. Because when you're trying to vibe for the permanent job, you may not make the hard choices and the tough decisions that must happen in the interim. So, Matt, you asked, what counsel will I give? My first counsel is to be open to adventure, to engage conversation with potential ministers and with other churches who have engaged interim ministry to learn more and understand more about what interim ministry entails, but also to be wary of tapping someone in the congregation as the interim because the circumstance might be complex. Sometimes people who are within the congregation are too close and are not able to objectively serve as interim ministers. And to also be mindful that individuals who have interest in the permanent long-term role are oftentimes not the best people to tap as your interim because they may make decisions during the interim that are not in the best interest of the church long-term.
2: Conversely, if we're thinking about persons that are considering stepping into or accepting an interim position, And they know that there has been some drama, maybe some rifts in the community, some tension in the community. What are some questions that they might ask when considering accepting a position?
0: One of the most important questions to ask is, why do you need an interim minister? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what were the circumstances that led to the church's current state? and to ask that question of multiple people mm. now mind you you will get as many different questions as as the number of people you ask but it is so very important to understand what led to the need for an interim and not only what led to the need for an interim but why are you choosing interim as opposed to going straight into another permanent search. Mm. And I think those are helpful questions to ask. If you have relationships with people who know inside story, it's, it's also good to get as much feedback about that church's culture as possible to understand not only the most recent events that have necessitated an interim, but also what has happened across the life of the church in the last 15 to 20 years, you know, because you want to get a good sense of the historical nature of the church, of, you know, who they are in terms of their congregational identity. Where have they been? Where are they now? One of the other important questions to note is what is the relationship between the interim pastor and the board, who does the interim actually report to? Mm-hmm. Who do they report to officially? Who do they report to unofficially? Who are the people who think they manage the interim pastor? Because sometimes there are as many unofficial managers as there are official managers. But you know, to just get a good sense of what you're walking into. Now, in my case, um, at light of the world, light of the world has a long history and a strong history in the Christian Church disciples of Christ. and they needed an interim because our most recent pastor, Dr. David Hampton, stepped down after seven years of pastoring light of the world. But it would have been fruitless for me to understand the church's identity only by his tenure, because before his tenure, there was a 43 year pastor who Dr. Tom Garrett Benjamin had a tremendous impact on the shaping of the church's current identity and culture. And so I needed to understand also the Tom Garrett Benjamin years, But then Tom Gary Benjamin wasn't created in a vacuum either. Before he came to be pastor at Light of the World, Pastor Peoples was his predecessor. And just to understand the trajectory and who Light of the World had been, who they had become, and understanding perhaps what their emotional trauma had been around the transition of of congregational leaders. So I think it's important for folks who are interested and coming into interim ministry to ask questions about where the church is now and where the church has been. Because all of those things play into what you're going to walk into. And listen, sometimes it's important to know what the compensation is, but there are some things that money cannot buy, such as peace of mind. And peace of mind comes through asking good questions, asking the right questions and understanding, you know, all of these other factors that contribute to a a good interim experience.
2: Hmm. Really briefly, you making that point about compensation kind of made me wonder, again, for people looking at accepting a role, is it fair to expect that compensation is about the same as it would be for a a traditional long-term pastor or is it a different structure and setup?
0: It varies across congregations because, again, it depends on what that congregation needs from that interim minister. But oftentimes the job of the interim minister is pretty consistent with the job of the permanent minister. While maybe the nature of the job is different, you still have expectations, at least I did, expectations around preaching, teaching, visitation, leader development, Christian formation, you know, all of these roles that the permanent pastor has pieces of them, the interim has. So it is not unreasonable for an interim to expect compensation that is consistent with permanent compensation. Now, the benefit package may be different because you're not there as long. So the kind of benefits outside of salary the benefits for a permanent position may be different for the benefits of the interim, but in terms of salary, cash compensation, they should be very similar unless the expectations for the interim are seriously constrained or augmented.
1: That's really, really helpful. Thank you, Pastor Janae. Appreciate that. And as we come to uh, closing out our time together, I was curious about, you mentioned resources and training for people who are thinking about interim ministry. Do you happen to know off the top of your head, any of those organizations that we could put in the resource list for this episode?
0: Yes. I participated in a training with the interim ministry network, but there are other organizations that have Training programs for interim ministers. But I participated in the program with Interim Ministry
1: Network. Hmm. That's really helpful. Thank you. Very much appreciated. And if anybody wants to follow your ministry or your work or anything with your life or any ways that they can do that, whether it's social media or other outlets.
0: Yes, I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My handles on Instagram and Twitter are at R Janae Pitts, R J A N A E P I T T S. But honestly, life has me so crazy right now that I have not been able to spend as much time engaging my public practice of ministry as I have at the church. But yeah, I am on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
2: As a final word here, I'm wondering if you could just briefly name, reflecting on the 15 to 22 months that you may have been at Light of the World, how did it affect you and impact your leadership, either in style or just understanding of yourself as a leader?
0: You know, my time as the interim pastor at Light of the World was so refreshing. Hmm. I did not intend to be an interim pastor, it was an act of God that Light of the World even reached out to me because I had not been functioning as an active interim minister. And so when I reflect on the entire Experience From the moment I got a phone call telling me that Light of the World was accepting applications and resumes for the role to my decision not to apply, to my decision to apply, to the interview process and the culminating experience as interim minister, it was so refreshing.
2: That was actually phenomenal. And I'm so glad that you that you shared that. It was a unique balance that you offered between kind of helping people cast and hold vision, but yet offering very specific, practical, tangible things for them to consider, whether you're in leadership of a congregation or you are seeking to be an interminister minister yourself. So, yeah, it was a wonderful interview. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. There was so much practical wisdom. And Pastor Janais, it sounds like you're a teacher at heart because you answered the questions and then you would go back and summarize the main points. It was beautiful. So I'm really excited about getting this episode out there because I think it really will be helpful for a lot of congregations if they're in this space. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: All right, Pastor, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time this morning.
0: Thank you. Y'all have a good one.
1: You too. You too. So nice to meet you.
0: Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Bye.
2: was a rich interview with Pastor Janae, Matt. A lot of things stood out to me, but I'm wondering what
1: resonated most deeply
2: with you from her experience?
1: I think the thing that I appreciated the most is something that we talked a little bit about in the interview, about just how deliberate the thought process was for her, and how important and helpful that is for congregations thinking about this. That there was just so much thought put into the boundaries of it, the limits of it, and understanding the history of the congregation, just so many things. And so I think one of the takeaways for me is that if you're going to step into interim ministry, you better be ready to do some serious homework. So if you're going to do it well, it's going to take a lot of effort and really thinking through things.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. The deliberateness was very apparent. And I kind of appreciated the orientation that she invited folks to have, especially Folks that are considering becoming interim ministers, she said, you know, to remain open to the beauty in adventure and to have an openness for the mystery of not knowing. And that resonated with me in just many parts of my life. But specifically as we think about stepping into ministry, stepping into anything, really, how can you maintain the ability to see the beauty and the adventure of the path that you're on and lead while embracing the mystery of not knowing. And I, I think it's being able to hold that nuance and the difficulty in that nuance that probably makes interim ministers so effective because that's what the congregation's doing as well. They don't necessarily know what is coming next, how it's going to look, or even where they want to go. And so for the leader to be able to model that, to embody that, might help the congregation do the same thing, which frees them up to make maybe the best moves for them, to take the best next steps for them moving forward. And so I was just really struck by kind of the poetic nature of uh, that orientation.
1: Yeah, that really stuck out to me too, the idea of adventure and mystery. And I think we could all use a little bit more of that. <laughs> Not just interim ministry, but just yes, ministry as an occupation or even just being engaged in it. As a reminder that the divine is a mystery in its infinity, and I think we forget and sometimes want to control and understand everything and understand all of the steps, and we lose the passion and the joy that comes with the not knowing. But presumably, if you're in a faith tradition that believes in a divine that is in some way, shape, or form in control of things and in control of the future, the sense that even though you may not be certain in the moment, you can trust that somehow you're going to learn, you're going to grow, things will be good in some way, shape, or form, and just resting in that and embracing the day-to-day of the uncertainty.
2: I really appreciated, there were moments where Pastor Janae flowed from the visionary, big picture level, and then where she got down into the nitty-gritty Specifics of what to look for, what questions to ask, how to orient yourself, whether you're on the leadership team of a congregation or you are seeking to become an interim minister yourself. And it felt very tangible and very practical. And stepping into any ministry, let alone interim ministry, or calling any minister, let alone an interim minister, neither of those are small things. And so to be able to approach the topic while holding both the largeness of it and the specificity necessary. To engage the work in a holistic manner is not easy to do, and I thought that she did it really well. I walked away holding different questions and and a different perspective and way of viewing interim ministry as a result.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the things that I stepped into this not necessarily knowing a ton about this area. And I feel just in the 35, 40 minutes we talked with her that at least I would know what to look for in terms of understanding and research and learning, which is something that I did not have. And I hope that this podcast episode is a gift to others as well in that same way, that they can gain an appreciation for the complexities of it. And even if it's not something that they're going to be doing anytime soon, at least kind of have that tucked back just in case that ever comes up for them.
2: Yeah, and speaking about the complexities, you know, we mentioned this in the pre conversation to this interview or in the conversation before the interview, but I didn't know coming in that interim ministry could look a variety of different ways. And so, if you're a congregation that anticipates a pastoral transition coming soon, I have to imagine it can take some of the pressure off finding what's next immediately. If you know that you can have an interim minister in, even if it's just someone to preach every Sunday and they'll free other leaders up to do the work of visioning, that is almost invaluable. And so that, that's one big thing that I learned that if I were a congregational leader, I'd kind of be putting it in my back pocket for a rainy day.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. That was definitely eye-opening. And I've got a resource that we'll talk about in just a minute that deals with some of those things. Uh, but one of the things that stuck out to me about the interview when she was talking about cultural fit, and I wonder how many congregations can really articulate their culture right now that if somebody just, you know, called you cold, you know, you're in a coffee shop and they sit down and say tell me a little bit about the culture of your congregation if they really have a good sense of what that is and just how important that is not just for interim ministry but just how important that is for the identity of your congregation and understanding who you are because that by definition, will shape the type of initiatives that you do, the types of programs that you do, the way you view your strengths. And so I think it's just important to think about that as a congregation, as you go along, is what is our culture? What is our leadership style, our organizing structure? And just keeping those things at the front of your mind so that it aids you as you do any kind of initiative or program.
2: Yeah, culture is incredibly difficult to see. You know, It's been likened to a fish seeing the water that it's swimming in. You know, uh, we often exist in it, adapt to it, learn how to move through it without taking a critical eye and understanding it as someone on the outside might understand. So, yeah, that's absolutely correct. And, you know, related to that, the point she made about someone calling an interim minister from within the congregation may or may not work to your advantage, especially if they have their eye on the long term pastoral position that will be coming available. So understanding culture, understanding how the people you're bringing in will or won't relate to you, understanding how leadership styles may or may not fit with your congregation. All those are very crucial elements, not just to interim ministry, to ministry in general, honestly. You know, you need to think about that when you're selecting Sunday school teachers, when you're selecting people that are going to be preaching each week, when you're selecting the sound minister. I mean... All of these are things that should probably be on our mind anyway, from a big picture perspective, but become even more crucial when we're in the vulnerable time of transition.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And that's one of the things, kind of a key takeaway in general, that the world of ministry moves so fast and just week in, week out, you're trying to execute what's happening that week. And sometimes there's just very little room to, the way Ron Heifetz puts it in adaptive leadership, is getting up on the balcony getting a higher level view of what's happening, and I think that gets lost in the day-to-day. And so figuring out what kinds of practices as a congregation can we cultivate that we're able to step back and assess culture or to assess you know, mission, assess vision, because you can just get into the grind of ministry and those things become assumed, but when they're assumed, they're potentially not done as well as they could be or you might be attempting to do things that are at cross-purposes with those higher-level thoughts. Yeah. Well, we hope you got as much out of that interview as we did. Next up, resources. All right. Welcome back to resources. And this is not a topic that I've spent a lot of time looking into information, and I was surprised by the wealth of information that I found both online and on our CRG about this topic. So there really is some good stuff out there. And I'll bring the first resource, Ben. One of the things that we talked about was the different types of interim ministry. And I found an article on the Center for Congregational Health that is about interim ministry. It's a really short article, and it's got a nice short video on it but delineates the difference between kind of a traditional interim minister, an intentional interim minister, and a transition facilitator. But it's just really important if you're embarking on this journey to understand the different varieties of interim ministry, just so you can kind of begin to think about, okay, where do we need to go deeper? If we are using an intentional interim minister, what does that mean and how does that differentiate? And so what are the needs that we have? So really good article, again, from the Center for Congregational Health. Ben, what about you? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that article. It sounds like it lines up
2: with what we were talking about in terms of the flexibility of what interim ministry can be. So yeah, that's awesome. And, and I brought something that Pastor Janae uh, mentioned, which is the Interim Ministry Network. This is an organization that provides training for clergy, intentional interims, or interim consultants to support congregations in transition. And their training typically focuses on several important aspects, and they name those as heritage, leadership, mission, connections, and future. They also have other resources like open time staff conversations. You can get advice from other people doing this work or that have done this work. They've got various resources on their website, books that you can look at and check out regarding transitional ministry. So it's just a wealth of information and knowledge that can be accessed by becoming a member of the Interim Ministry Network. And so we'll go ahead and put that in the show notes as well. And Matt, I think you had uh, one more resource that you were going to bring?
1: Yeah, actually, I've got a couple more. The first one I want to talk about is really granular, but I think it's really cool and helpful. It's called Preaching in the Interim, and the subtitle is Transitional Leadership in the Latino-Latina Church, published in 2018. And it focuses specifically on sermons that were preached in a specific congregation between the season of Easter and Christmas, during a season of pastoral transition. And so I think it's uh, you know just a fascinating look into one pastor's thought process and the use of sermon to really work through that season of ministry. And I think it potentially could be helpful for any congregation, but it is very specifically put in the context of an urban Latinx congregation, but I think others could learn from it as well. It's available both in English and in Spanish. Excellent. Excellent. What else you got for us? Uh, The other one, as we talked about boundaries, what came to mind was the classic book on boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. There's an updated and expanded edition that came out in 2017, but it's really one of the foundational works for understanding how we create personal boundaries. It's not specifically related to congregational life. But I just think for anyone who's in any kind of leadership position, or really just any person, period, it's a way to begin to think about how we create healthy boundaries. And I think, at least in the faith tradition that I grew up in, boundaries were tricky because it was always assumed that you should always be giving 110% every day, all day for your ministry— But unfortunately, there are some really negative repercussions of that, and so this book would be really helpful for any kind of leader who maybe thinks they need to understand a little bit more about their boundaries, how to institute healthy boundaries, and I think that's helpful for anyone in any form or phase of ministry, not just interim.
2: Yeah, I agree. And as you can see, not only from the interview, but from the resources we selected, there are a lot of other topics, you know, from creating and shifting culture to holding and maintaining boundaries to digging into what type of interim or transitional minister might be necessary. A lot of other topics that are fruitful, would be fruitful to dig into as you think about interim ministry. So. Hopefully you found not only the interview but the conversation we've had around interim ministry useful and it's given you a jumping off point, a place to start You know, as you're thinking about whether or not interim ministry is going to be something that you'll consider in the future or something you want to recommend for other congregations or other leaders to consider or maybe you yourself are considering becoming an interim minister and this interview and topic has given you a little bit more to chew on as you do the important work of discerning if this is a call that you want to explore for your life. So I'm thankful that Reverend Janet was able to join us today uh, and that we were able to explore this, maybe not sexy topic, but definitely important topic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just like any topic, there's just such a breadth and wealth of different aspects to that topic and also just resources related to the different aspects of those topics. And the Center for Congregations is here to help with every aspect, every phase of that. So remember that we've got the CRGTHECRG.org. gorg And that's where you'll find the resource list from this episode. But you can go to that website and search any kind of search term and it'll bring up different varieties of resources and it'll help you kind of dig down a little more specifically into what you need to find. You can also connect with a consultant on the website through a chat. And if you're an Indiana congregation, just reach out to one of our offices. This is our bread and butter. This is what we do day in, day out. This is kind of our reason for existence. So if you're an Indiana congregation, reach out to your local office, and we can help be personal research assistant to understand the nuances of the situation that you're facing, and then we can provide a customized list of resources that we think will be helpful for your congregational situation.
2: And as always, you can follow us on social media at the Center for Congregations. We are on Facebook and Instagram. And if you appreciate the work of this podcast and want to help others to find it, please take a chance and leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That way others can find this work and access the important information that we're putting out.
1: And Ben and I would love to hear from you at podcast at centerforcongregations.org. The inbox is still really lonely. Uh, I I don't know how much more I can emphasize the pleas for the sad and lonely inbox. There's dust in it. It's getting a little cobwebby. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we may have to end up just shutting it down in order to clean it out for a while. But we would love for you to reach out and let us know how we're doing. If you have comments or questions for us, we would love to hear possible guests, possible topics that you're interested in hearing. And genuinely, you know, that comes directly to both Ben and I, and we would love to interact with you there. So please take us up on that.
2: Absolutely. We ask and ask and ask and no one emails us. So just, you know, hit us up once, even if it's just to say, hey, it'll be appreciated. Shout out to Jaden Lee, our sound engineer coming to us from Melbourne, Australia. He makes us sound intelligent, insightful, and just far less messy than we do in the initial recordings. Thank you to his hard work. And all of that is
1: no mean feat.
2: (laughs) That's very true. Very true. Um, All of this work is possible because of the generosity of the Lilly Endowment, so we thank them for their generosity.
1: And we also appreciate Jaden's original music. So if you enjoy the tunes, that comes directly from him as well. So, Jaden, thank you so much for the great job you do on the podcast.
2: And thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Center for Congregations podcast. Until next time, I'm Ben Tapper. And I'm Matt Burke. We'll talk with you soon.